Greetings and welcome to Speak the Universe Listens. Today's topic is the mindset of a multimillionaire. And today's episode is actually a very special episode because I have a special guest, we have a special topic, and we're on a special location site. And my guest today is Harry Watkins. And you've actually heard me speak about Harry Watkins numerous times if you're a listener to this podcast. Harry Watkins is actually my husband, and he happens to be a multimillionaire. So welcome to the show, Harry. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Harry, how did we get here? Wow. This has been really interesting. It's a real interesting ride for us, I would say. Um, I was thinking the other day about when we lived in our house, our first house, with no hot water and no heat, (laughs) and how we burned all our old clothes, (laughs) (laughs) and riding around in the neighborhood, like, looking for wood. Yeah. yeah. Because we had no idea (laughs) that you could actually buy wood to be put in the fireplace, so we literally... Like he said, we didn't have any heat, no hot water. And <laughs> and so at first, you guys, would, he and my brother um, and myself, we all lived together. And so at first, they would go around picking up twigs, like going in the woods, yeah. getting twigs <laughs> to feed the fireplace. And then, I don't know, I guess they couldn't find any more twigs. And so we started breaking the furniture up <laughs> <laughs> and burning our clothes to put in the fireplace so that we could have heat. Yeah, that's that so crazy. crazy. <laughs> That was really crazy. Or crying, getting up in the morning, crying. Yeah. Having to get from under the blankets yeah. and taking them freezing cold showers. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. It was. Oh my goodness. I, I totally forgot all about those cold showers, because um, the only place that it was warm was underneath that electric blanket. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were so smart to do that. I never heard of an electric blanket. Oh my goodness. See, I grew up with no heat in my home. Okay. And so that's all we ever had was electric blankets. And so okay. in my house, um, there was only two rooms that was fairly warm because we closed off the living room door. And so we would have the oven on and the oven would heat the kitchen and the living room. Mm-hmm. And so we all would stay in there. And then if we had to go into the hall <laughs> or to the bathroom or whatever, we put on our hats and gloves and our blankets and we run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, so, you know, it was the opposite growing up in the projects with radiators. And it wasn't like you had a thermostat or anything. When it came on, it was on. And when they decided to cut it off, they cut it off. And so you would literally bait. I mean... <laughs> in the house mm-hmm. so yeah yeah that's that's really interesting but we're uh in a totally different place now and um mm-hmm. i'm not going back <laughs> so <laughs> so no need to talk about that no <laughs> yeah but i think that we probably got here because we had like life experiences that kind of like shaped who we are and who we wanted to be mm-hmm. i know growing up in the projects um it was really easy to want to get away from my household because it was just always something going on there. And um, so being a paper boy and actually working at a local little restaurant called Annie and Bo's. Mm-hmm. Was, you remember me telling you about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah, that was a really sweet couple. Mm-hmm. They kind of like um, changed a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think being bus going to Southampton School changed a lot too. Going from the projects and going to a school system where 
the neighborhoods look a lot different from mine and people had grass and they lived in houses and kids actually walked to school um it was that was just different so do you see yourself like maybe you were an impressionable person because what would you describe it to me because so many people can tell that same story like mm. i lived in the project or i grew up poor and then i was bus to an environment where people had access um to things and you saw that mm-hmm. right so i could say the same thing yeah that did not cause me to dream that i could have it i still saw that as other people that's what other people have so there was nothing in me that made me feel like i could have that so what made you feel like you could have that um i just wanted something different so badly and so i just really wanted to try to figure out how do you get it and um my mom always says stuff like anything worth having was worth working for so i guess on some level i just assumed that people had these things they must have worked for it and so at that point in my life school for example was important you know our teachers used to drill in us that education was the way for the future and you know the way for us to get out of uh our circumstances was to come to school and do your work and go to school and learn stuff and so those types of impressions and but you know so i guess what i'm trying to say is everybody the majority of us had that mm-hmm. so in hindsight are you able to look back and see why it affected you differently i think that i can kind of generally speak to just really having a passion for wanting stuff like i just wanted stuff and um, I also wanted to have experiences, too. And I guess I was pretty impressionable because I'm sitting here thinking about uh, looking at TV and, like, some of the TV shows that I looked at, like um, the show Dallas. <laughs> and uh, remember them talking about a passport and um, them taking plane trips to different countries, but you had to have this passport. And they'd always talk about this passport, and I didn't know <laughs> what it was, but I wanted one. And um, it was like a passport was your ticket to the world. And I didn't know how you got it. I didn't know if you could buy it. I didn't know if you had to earn it. But I knew I wanted one because I wanted to see the world. And I think for me, I think the lesson that we were taught is to never want something that someone else has. Um, And so we could never say, I want that. Like, we could say, I want one like that. But... Um, I was always taught to be grateful for whatever you have and be satisfied with what you have. And I remember one time I was in like the third or fourth grade and it was picture day. It was, was No, it wasn't picture day. It was um, we were doing a performance. Our class was doing a performance like singing in a choir or something. So we were supposed to wear a white shirt and a blue skirt. And um, so I actually borrowed a neighbor's stuff so at a certain point let's say we were supposed to be ready to go by six o'clock and so maybe by four o'clock my mom was like have you pulled out what you're going to wear yet and I was like oh my friend is bringing me something at five o'clock to wear and my mother's like oh no that's Mm. not going to happen you better go find you something to wear and I'm like I don't have anything you know and so um I had this really dingy white shirt um, really old and 
tattered and she made me go wash that shirt i had a blue skirt that didn't have any hem in it and so i got that and then i had some shoes that you know they <laughs> talked <laughs> the soles weren't connected anymore to the upper and so they had holes right there my toes are like sticking out and so she told me that's what you're going to wear and so i had to you know wash that stuff and try to put a hem in the skirt and you know, there's nothing I could do about the shoes. And so I just felt so embarrassed. Like I had to go to school like that and perform, sing in the choir. And I just knew everybody was going to, you know, laugh at me and make me feel bad. And it was like no one even noticed that mm-hmm. I wasn't dressed like everyone else or something like that. So okay. that kind of taught me a lesson, like um, just be thankful for what you have and make the best of whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess it's something similar like that. I mean, for us, it was get your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think it, I know I personally always said I wanted that thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not seeing it or having seen it before you saw it on TV or someone else with it, I never, I don't recall ever thinking about it until I saw it mm-hmm. and maybe thinking, I'd like to have that too. And my mom would be like, get your own. (laughs) One thing I did want to say is a lot of times people think that um, you have to have a certain, I guess, disposition. It's kind of like what you said about when you were watching Dallas and it was like the people were aggressive or something. Mm. It's like people kind of think that in order to, I guess, succeed, you have to have a certain demeanor um, that's like, <laughs> and people feel kind of hesitant to approach you. Mm. But you're like one of the most approachable people there is. And um, I remember, like, because, you know, obviously we've been together ever since when you were 14, I was 15. And um, we used to just hang out a lot when we were teenagers. And where, where we lived, it was like, coming across a bridge and then um, you would come past our house in order to get to a homeless shelter. So a lot of people would come down our street in order to, you know, get to this homeless shelter. So they would often ask us if we're sitting out on the porch, like, which way do you go to get to this homeless shelter? And so I remember this family came through a lady and her children and they were asking. And so we were like, well, we'll just walk you to over there. And so we, I was like, well, I need to go in and let my mom know that I'm leaving. And um, he was like, yeah, let me let my people know, too. So we, I went in my house. He went in his house. And when he came back out, he's got sandwiches for <laughs> the whole family. And that just really touched me. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that family. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and then that's just like who you are that's who you've always been to the world like i remember one time you gave somebody your car like just somebody some stranger on the street and i'm like well when are they gonna bring your car back (laughs) are you sure they're gonna bring your car back type of thing so yeah but i I do think that that's a part of um the millionaire mindset um i one time heard something where someone was like um, if you want to make enough money to feed your family, you will make approximately $100,000 a year. If you want to make enough money to feed your community, you might make a million dollars a year. 
And if you want to feed the world, then you'll make multi-millions. Mm. And I think um, you're a prime example of that, of wanting to feed the world. That's interesting that you say that and you like sitting here pumping me up, but you like started programs in Tanzania and Guyana with folks that live there that's reaching who knows how many people, but I mean, just folks we met on a trip. So I think that that's clearly something that um, we both have and obviously enjoy <laughs> too. So thank you. <laughs> I was thinking too also about when you're talking about um, having a sense of sharing you know because I remember us having conversations about wanting the people around us to um, have certain experiences too and for us to be able to experience them those things with them and so I mean the birth of Jasmine and I mean, just even the employees at Renaissance, when we would bring folks in to help them um, buy their first home, and then you telling them, well, you live in that house, you need to buy another one, and <laughs> rent it out, and this is, you know, think of this as your retirement, and how many of the team members actually followed through on that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, even the people that call us to this day and, and talk about the fact that this is the kind of stuff that they were exposed to. Like um, when we had our first business together, like how we would, so we paid it after we paid all of our um, bills due and everything, whatever money we had left over for profit, we would split it right down the middle and we would take half and buy property with half. And then the other half, we gave it to the employees in forms of bonuses every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was amazing, not just for us, but for a lot of people to kind of like see that. Because um, I just, I'm remembering now, like, uh, like, Miss Asana in particular was one of the people who was just like, what? And um, how good it felt to see people feel good about us, like, sharing this type of stuff. Not us as in you and me, but like the whole group. That was a real special space. So I, I, I really feel like um, a lot of times when people are in business, they're in business to make money. And if, technically, if you're not in business to make money, you're likely to go out of business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I never felt like we came from that space, mm -hmm. it, you know, particularly not in any of our human services businesses. Like we always came from the space of I want to serve this population and not just the kids, but every person who surrounded them, whether it was employees, whether it was the social workers, whether it was the parents, it was yeah. like we wanted to provide the highest quality care. Yeah. Um, and just, like, really, I guess, nurture them probably in ways that they had not been nurtured before. Yeah, and I think it made a difference, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just in the care of the kids or... Um, the workers and the agencies that we were a part of. But I think we kind of changed our concept, and um, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. 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 And so I know that um, in the absence of you, I would not be in this space. Like, so, oh, man, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I'm going to do the ugly face, y'all. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I can share the same thing. I mean, clearly, um, 
learned like a lot of stuff that this isn't like um, enough time to even begin to talk about it. But yeah, just the refinement of like the way you, I think, or the way I thought, I think, you know, clearly I owe a lot to you. So thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> so what would you say is the mindset of a million, of a, so, and I specifically say multimillionaire because I think it, it was a shift from being a millionaire to a multimillionaire. There's a mindset shift that I know that took place with me. And um, as I'm increasing, and if I, as I'm moving into a space of multi, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. multiple multis, like I feel a shift taking place um, in my thinking. So um, are you aware of any shifts that took place in you from one stage to the next? Mm. I don't know if I could actually put words to them, but I do think that, and I've been spending like very recently some time kind of thinking about like um, the moves from um, uh, thinking a lot about stuff that probably wasn't, um, or that was actually probably poor decision making and then making better decisions and also thinking about stuff um, from a perspective of, um, I guess you would say like pure intention. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I actually knew what the shift was or when it occurred in terms of the thinking from um, not uh, necessarily um, thinking about like, let's say the cost of a, a particular box of cereal or, um, you know, thinking about some <laughs> things along that line. I don't know if I remember or, or if I can recall the feeling of knowing something had actually changed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I remember, um, this wasn't too long ago because, you know, I still have issues with um, value, like value on myself and what I deserve as well as, you know, like the whole money thing is still, I feel some kind of way about it. And um, so I've always been really, really frugal. <laughs> Thrifty, frugal, what's some other words y'all used to call me? I don't know. <laughs> but I've always been like a, well, I wouldn't say a miser because I gave money freely, mm-hmm. right? But I wasn't going to spend it on me. On you. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but I remember this was like, probably not even a year ago or maybe just a year ago and I was in the grocery store and I was on the phone and I was trying to find like a fruit tray and the fruit tray was like I don't know maybe like $16 and I was just like oh my god this fruit tray costs $16 um I'm not buying this this is too expensive and so forth and so on and you were just like um you just started telling me how much money you had in each one of your bank accounts. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? I'm talking about a fruit tray. And then, like, he ended it with, I think we can afford a $16 fruit tray. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And so then, of course, I bought the fruit tray. But even now, I, I have to practice not looking at price tags. Yeah. So I just, I'm, I practice going into the stores, picking out what I want, and just getting it and not paying attention to the cost. Mm-hmm. You know, you still sometimes say, you know, well, how many 
meals I could have bought us off that hundred dollars. <laughs> kind of stuff. Could have ate for two weeks off that hundred dollars. So, uh, yeah, okay. So if you were to, um, do you have anything, any way you want to close in terms of what's a gem that you could say, um, this is a way that I think that, think now that maybe I didn't think before or um, something people could incorporate in their own thinking to help them move from one level to the next level and keep building as far as, um, financially goes. Um, I can't like think of any like thing. Um, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know what separates you, or let's say what separates me from in terms of my thinking from either from now to in the past or from me and maybe someone else you might know? So, I remember you, um, it, it's something you said years and years ago when you were like, we, it would be great if we could teach people to believe that they could achieve. Like, that changed a lot for me. Um, just in terms of having the belief of uh, that you can have this, you're deserving of this, and uh, I I don't know, like I would add that. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. So what would you tell your nephews if your nephew was like Uncle Harry? How could I become a multimillionaire? What would you tell them? <laughs> um, I would tell them take risks and be willing to uh, fail and learn from that. I think that's what I would tell them. So what risks have you taken? Uh, you remember how panicky I was when I had that good job and with a high school diploma? And um, how I ran home was like, ooh, Arved, this how much they, you know, how much I'm making right now. And, you know, you were like, what you do? <laughs> and we talked a little about that. And, um, and then um, I had moved into a job where um, folks had me doing, like, marketing kind of stuff. And um, then we had a conversation about some you, – we just had a conversation about a lot of different things as it related to work and um, uh, starting a business and and you know from those conversations me going back to work and telling folks I was thinking about doing something different like leaving them and they offered me more money and I was just like so happy and you were like well okay don't you see that this could be something that could be um really beneficial to you and the people you want to work with. Because remember I was mad when I didn't feel like they were giving the kids in a particular community um, the resources that they needed. But I felt like they were making a lot of money off of all the services that me and my coworker were providing. And um, we had conversations about, well, what, we, what would we do differently? 
and um, then I went back to work and they were like offered me more money kind of stuff and you're like mm, don't you see you really have to do this and um, just staying up all night and talking about what would be different and what we would want to do and what kind of company we would want to have and the people we would want to work with and I woke up the next morning and you had written a whole company <laughs> and I was like oh you know are we gonna do this and you're like yeah and I was like okay all right and panicking with that kind of stuff. So I never knew that you panicked. <laughs> yeah, because, um, I mean, I had a high school diploma and was, like, getting paid. Like, so, and we had just moved into that expensive house, and it was like, you know, which is funny to think about now. Like, yeah, I was panicking. Yeah. But only for, like, a few days, though. Like, yeah. No more than when you were like, hmm. I'm going to quit my job. And I was just like, oh, my God, you're going to quit your job, too? <laughs> like, like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Like, so, yeah. So, take risks. Take the risk. I would say. I'm glad we never looked back. Mm-hmm. Well, this journey so far has been so lovely with you uh, getting to see the world like literally stepping foot on every continent seeing things that I never knew my eyes could see oh no thank you babe I really appreciate that so it's been amazing yeah (laughs) (laughs) alright so I had to take a moment to get myself together I got a little choked up um, but, but we'll go ahead and close out. Um, but right now, I didn't even mention that we're at our latest project, which is Bateau, a coffee and wine experience. And this is the brainchild of Dr. Harry Watkins, um, a quite lovely um, restaurant experience. We have jazz, we have good coffee, good wine, great food. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming on, Dr. Watkins. All right, sweetie. Glad to be here. (laughs) All right. Until next time, I'll see you soon. Bye.